0: It's time for money for lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now, your host, Bert Martinez. We have Melinda Harrison. Melinda Harrison, in 2013, executive coach and Olympian. An Olympian, um, uh, Melinda Harrison set out set a goal to interview a hundred people. Who had positively transitioned from significant achievements to discover new goals and meaning in another area of their life, Melinda Harrison? I'm excited to have her on the show. Melinda, welcome to the show.
1: Much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: All right. So I got to ask you, uh, what what brought this curiosity about? What was like, you know the you know the whole book yeah. and, and yeah. you know what got what what got all this started?
1: So in 2012, 2013 was one of those messy middle periods for me. My my dad had died of cancer. My youngest child went off to college. And then in January of 2013, a neighbor of mine, a fellow Olympian, died by suicide. And I sat back and I went, wow, you know, how can somebody that appeared on the outside to be so incredibly successful in his post-sport life do that? And so, you know, I contemplated this, I was an executive coach, I was, you know, I was contemplating, well, how can I add value to the world now that all this, you know, my children were all off in college or working. And so during a meditation weekend, I actually came up with this idea, well, if I could interview 100 people that positively had done it, what would I learn? And that's kind of how athletes look at other athletes, they look at how um, athletes go, you know, that are better than them. How do they do that? And then they try and mimic and copy them and then advance a the skill set. So, you know, this was, this is, I just took my athletic mindset and thought, okay, I'm going to interview a hundred people. Little did I know what that was going to be like.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? And I think right there is one of those principles of success that a lot of people overlook if, You look at somebody and if they did it, then there's a chance that you can do it. And of course, if, if let's say 10 or 20 or a hundred people have done it, then there's a good probability that you certainly can do it. Uh, You know, there's the, there's always the analogy of the four minute mile. Everybody's trying to do the, you know, a, a four minute mile and they're failing at it until what's his name, Jim something, or I think it was Jim anyway somebody finally runs that four minute mile and then everybody starts to run right. four minute mile. So it, it, it is, I think a principle of success that, you know, you mimic or you model somebody that's done what you're trying to achieve. And you kind of follow those footsteps to get there bigger, better, faster.
1: Right. And it was really important to me that I didn't just take my own lens of being an Olympian and my own experience of transition. I really wanted to know, from the best to the best, how they did it. And so I just started calling up people and asking them.
0: All right. So, um, from the time that you had this idea until the time that you, uh, I guess, got the book done, how long, how, how much time did that take?
1: Uh, well, the book was published in April, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And so it was, you know, seven, seven and a half years. Okay.
0: So really, from 2013, is that you start, you got that idea. Okay, just want to make sure. All right. And is there a standout lesson or two, a couple of aha moments that maybe surprised you or shocked you from the, the, the people that you interviewed?
1: Yeah, there were lots of them, actually. But one of them was that every single one, you look at these individuals, and they're all listed in the back of the book. Um, you look at them, and you think, wow, they're just so famous or so successful. Um, every single one of them went through a struggle, every single one of them. And so, you know, when I think about why it was so important to get, to get this message out is that I I want people to understand that you're not alone, that there's a process of being really good, a personal best in something. And as you discover what your personal next is, there's a process that you need to go through.
0: Yeah. All right. So, so again, the book, as you guys see there is Personal Next. uh, And I love that. Not personal best, personal next. I thought That was a great play on words. What we can learn from elite athletes navigating career transitions. Um, So what are some of the things that you learned that are applicable, let's say to the audience today, to entrepreneurs, to people who want to transition trying to get to that personal next?
1: Right. So, you know, I think one of, the most important things is that you live the transition, that you don't just go on autopilot and hope that you'll create something anew. It's really important that you take control of it, that you understand the process that you're going through and that you actually sometimes need to ask for help to get through that process.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So so basically you're saying you have to have kind of like a transitional plan or a transition plan, right? You, it's this you know my goal is to whatever write a book or start a new career what are the steps to get there uh, you know an active role in the transition
1: right most people are in such a state of either denial um, yeah. or anxiety or depression or feeling lost or feeling left out you know all of those negative emotions that they struggle to actually think well what actually do i want going forward because they're so you know stuck in the place that they're at so when you start to realize and understand and have awareness around the stages that you might go through then you can say yeah that's me okay i can do it i i've done it before i can do it again but If you don't have that awareness, you can't possibly take control of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you and I were talking before the show about some of the traps that some of these athletes uh, and really there's no age barrier. We talked about some of the children, uh, young athletes and celebrities that that uh, sometimes, you know, go awry. Right. I mean, people look at these athletes again, whether they're children or adults, and they go, well, how did that happen? How did somebody who was so rich and famous end up here or end up so broke or end up in jail? And and it's, it is it is really, I think, for most people to understand that, that just because you're good and, let's say, rich and famous, for lack of better terms, or, or good and famous at one area doesn't mean it's going to transition into the rest of the parts of your life.
1: Right. You know, especially children, children that become actors or actresses, uh, children that become athletes, they're, they're very socialized from a young age to be pulled along by a system. So whether that system is, you know, showing up for practice at a certain time or, you know, getting tutored on the side outside of sport or acting, when that system collapses, so too does everything else in that person's life because they don't know any different. So we all contribute to this aspect of uh, an athlete or an actress or a dancer or anybody else that you know strives for high performance as a child and moves up that rank. They don't. They don't know any different. And you know, we we briefly talked about this idea that all of those individuals are are um, they've been compared since a very young age to other people and because of that comparison they are judged and then they self-judge themselves and then in turn to get out of that judgment they they work towards gaining approval from others and trying to get recognition and as I said, that whole system collapses. And so too can the individual self-work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, in, in at least in my experience, I, I probably don't have the depth of knowledge that you have, but you know, I see this with a lot of Hollywood celebrities. There is this thing in place and, and there, there are some Hollywood celebrities that don't even write their own schedule. They're just told where to show up and, yeah. and, you know, and stuff like that, and and hey, you go from rehearsal to publicity meeting to charity event to the next event, and when those wheels start to fall off, they're they're they are lost, and and so it can happen. I think at any age, and, and I think that this this approval system uh, is, I think the the kind of one of those horrible things that if somebody is not aware. That is, I guess, creeping up on them or that it's uh, what's the word I'm looking for invading their life that yeah. it, it, it really hurts them so much. You have to, I don't know, train your brain to not care what, you know, what the naysayers are saying or or to just kind of live your life and you put your blindfolds on and you just kind of go for what it is that you want to do, because that fame thing is so fickle and so short.
1: Approval is hard. Um and you know the the number one thing that I when I talk about approval is how are you approving of yourself? Yes. Because if all you're ever searching for is approval or recognition from other people, then you know when all of that approval and recognition stops, you don't really know who you are. And that's, yeah. a pro- that's a problem. And so, you know, if you look at an athlete that, um, you know, goes bankrupt, well, they're still spending like they're a professional athlete and they're trying to gain the approval of all their friends and all the people around them. They're not, they haven't adjusted because they're not aware that their behavior is driven by the socialization they've had since age three. And so we need to step back as coaches, not just as, you know, executive coaches or transition coaches, but as coaches in sport and really try and get these athletes to acknowledge their own accomplishments and their own mistakes, to to own, own what they're doing instead of searching for other people to recognize what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And I agree with that. And so I want to back up a little bit because you, you, you said, you know, from the age of three and maybe even from the age of two or whatever, but, you know, from an early age. So how can we as parents help our children to start looking for that approval, to stop wanting that approval? How do we do that? Any, any thoughts on that?
1: Sure. Um, so naturally, what happens when, you know, I mean, we also got viral a uh, baseball picture of that little kid, where the dad was jumping up and down. He's five years old. He hits his first run, home run. You know, and the dad is jumping up and down, going nuts. So the kid goes, "Hmm, I like this. My dad's jumping up and down and and showing me that I'm great." So what happens when that child stops doing that? They equate the love and approval with their father and the absence of that makes them feel less worth. And so what as a parent can we do? You can ask your child, what was great about? What did you do great about that? Ask the child to say what was good, not you tell them it was good and then they seek more of that good.
0: Yeah, so so they start to uh, actualize that or internalize that for themselves, and they can say, you know what, I, I like the fact that I hit that home run, or I like the fact that I, you know, whatever, I did well in that audition or got that part or whatever, as opposed to, you're right, getting your parents or third parties to jump up and down and, and uh, you know, what do you call it, layer it on so thick. Um, right, in.
1: You're naturally going to get that. You're naturally yeah. proud of your child. More I'm not saying don't do it. Right. I'm saying at the same time, simultaneously, make sure that the child realizes what they did, and they did it not for approval, but because they've been working at it. They've been working hard at it. They, you know, they've, they're in control of their destiny.
0: Yes. So, and maybe in some cases, link it to the work that they've done to get there, right? So, you know, so if your child is in sports, you can, you know, you reward them for, hey, you worked so hard, look what you did because of your hard work, you're putting in the practice, you got XYZ, that's great, you should feel good about yourself, or you should, you know, or you got the part because of all the other, you know, again, all the, rehearsing that you did congratulations you did a great job I like that make it about as you said have them internalize it uh in your book personal next you talk about the messy middle yeah what is the messy middle
1: so I love that term because it it gives you this feeling that you know life is not a straight line Um, I had one of my interviewees give this great metaphor, and, and what she said was, if you flip over a rug, a woven rug, you see all sorts of loose strands, and some of those loose strands are failures, some of them are successes, some of them are dead ends, but in the end, when you flip it back over, you see this beautiful pattern, and you're able to see how your life has evolved because of all those loose strands that that messy middle are all those loose strands it's when you question whether you can keep doing something i call that gut checks it's when you start to unravel that thread that you created from a very young age and start to think well how am i going to ravel a new thread and then it's that feeling of deep loss of being on the outside looking in at other people that are still doing what you're doing. And this applies not just to athletes. It applies to anybody that um, has experienced a personal best, whether in a business career, a entertainment career, or an athletic career.
0: Yeah, I like that. Let me ask you this. As an Olympian and as a coach and executive coach, do you believe in the term – Uh, self-sabotage do you think that as humans we i don't know we we move forward and and we hit this uh this maybe this level of success that we're not comfortable with and so we either turn the other way or we do something to sabotage it Uh, do you you believe in that
1: yeah for sure so uh, you know i would say there are people that bounce up to a line so they'll bounce up to here but in order to go to that next level, they have to take a risk. And if their whole life has been on proving, let's say, how smart they are, they've always gone, gotten A's to put them into another category of someone that is going to really push that level of intelligence. They have to take the risk that they might not be as intelligent as they thought they were. And so that is how you can self-sabotage. And that goes back to this ideal that we're constantly told how good we are. And so the fear is we're not so good. And so we have to, we have to get, get away from that.
0: Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I was, uh, I was talking to, uh, uh, we were in a, I guess, uh, a podcasting mastermind, me and some other people, in in, in the podcasting realm, and and uh, somebody brought up the fact that you know he's been doing his podcasting show and uh, for a couple of years, and he's just not gaining any ground. He's you know he was just you know he can't get anybody quote big on his show. He can't. He's not getting big numbers, big downloads, or a lot of listenership, and and you know, there was some different thoughts for that. And, you know, I quite frankly said, you know, I don't think I necessarily have big numbers either. And the reality is maybe it's me. Maybe maybe it's my marketing or lack thereof. Maybe yeah. it's my, you know, maybe I don't understand what my audience wants. Uh, you know, it may be the content that I'm delivering isn't, you know, I don't know. It isn't as good. I mean, whatever it is, it could be the reality. Back to what you're saying. You're not that smart. You're not that good. You have to get off your butt and get to the next level. And some people just don't want to hear that. They want to hear that it's, you know, hey, because you don't know the secret. Right. (laughs) The secret is you have to either reinvent yourself. You got to get off your butt. You got to work harder. And nobody wants to hear that, including me. I don't want to hear that. (laughs) Right. Right. But the you reality know, it, is God, it, that's it, what it is. It's so
1: true. And I mean, that's why uh in the book I talk about the nine practices. Because, you know, in a personal best, again, thinking about the athlete realm, uh you're pulled along by this system and these practices naturally happen. But in that messy middle, it's the absence of these practices. And then as you move into a um, personal next, it's reengaging with these, you know, taking responsibility and reengaging with these nine practices. And so in your example of being a podcaster and trying to gain audience, you know, what are the things you are doing in, in any one of these practices that you're constantly working on and developing to get to that to that next level. Um, because nine of them, it takes work. They don't just happen.
0: Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, interesting because, uh, again, in, in the same mastermind, one of the things that I pointed out is the, you know, Tim Ferriss, who's, I don't know, two or three times New York times bestselling author. Right. And I, you know, and I, and I, I, said, you know, Tim Ferriss spends a a sizable amount of money. I'm not sure how much it is, but he spends a sizable amount of money promoting his books on Twitter. Using Twitter ads, actual advertising on Twitter and Facebook, maybe LinkedIn. I've not seen him on LinkedIn, but I have seen him on Facebook and Twitter, where he's he's yeah. promoting his book. He's he he is spending money to get us to. Buy his books. That's and commitment. A guy, a commitment, yeah. And and, and here's the guy that a lot of people are shocked with. Wow, he's a New York Times bestselling author. You don't think that he'd have to do that. Well, maybe that's why he's a New York Times bestselling author, because he's investing. He's committed to getting it out there. And, right. you know, it just doesn't stop. I mean, it's just one of those things. So let's, let's review these nine practices real quick. If you have me intrigued, if you can run them down real quick, what are they?
1: So P stands for proficiency. And that really is constantly gaining new skills, using your aptitudes and, you know, challenging yourself to grow and learn. Um, The R stands for regulation. And that's being self-regulated enough that what your goal is matters more than the party you want to go to. Um, it, it means that you have to commit to the schedule that you think you need to own to get to where you want, want to get to. Um, A stands for attitude. And that's in, in the case of the podcaster, I just haven't done it yet. I need to keep trying and figuring out how I can get to that next level. Uh, C stands for commitment. And that is the commitments you make every day to develop and grow. Um, P-R-A-C-T stands for being tuned in. This was one of the really big surprises that I had in the research, um, that a large percentage of the interviewees that had successfully had a personal best and went on to a personal next, they were very concerned about being tuned in or contributing to people or adding value to a cause larger than themselves. In other words, it wasn't about them. I stands for identity. And identity is having that sense of awareness about who you are, not just what you do. Um, C stands for confidence. And that is the ability to know in a moment where you need you can act with confidence and have a deep belief or self-efficacy in your skill sets. E stands for emotions. And this is a really important one too, that you can step back and um, control your emotions in those tense situations so that you get the results that you want. And S stands for secure base. And that's having people that you trust around you so that you can be vulnerable, and you know, discover or bounce above that line as we were talking earlier. Not have the fear because people have your back.
0: Yeah, that I was, love that. I like that acronym. That's awesome. That's uh, you know, and that's oh, that's applicable to everything in life. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Really good. I like. That. I like. That. And we and
1: overall, wow. we have to practice all of these things all the time.
0: All the time. That's,
1: that's why it's hard to be great at anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I'm listening to you talk about, you know, the confidence and the emotion and the identity and, and, uh, I've been, uh, reading quite a bit about Elon Musk and here's a guy that, you know, was told over and over again, he, you know, there's just no way that you're going to make this happen. And so one of his first crazy ideas, um, was to have a mapping directory very similar to Google Maps today. And uh, so he created this thing. It was called Zip2, as in zip to here, zip to there. Uh, and he was told, hey, you know, it's not going to work. The Internet doesn't have the technology, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that was like his first thing. A lot of people don't know about it. And and he sold it for whatever, 20 million bucks or whatever. And then from there, he went on to, you know, for no reason at all, He just he decided, you know, banking needs to get on the internet and he started uh, an actual uh, digital bank it's called X.com and then he ended up uh, connecting with the guys from PayPal and it merged into PayPal and and all that other stuff and uh, and so all you know along these steps when he thinks of something big and bold like PayPal or SpaceX or tel- Tesla he's always told you can't do it it's gonna take too much money. Mm-hmm. You know, all this stuff. Right. But again, listening to you, he he knows who he is. He's confident in who he is. He you know, he's got the emotional intelligence. Um, you know, he's committed. Right. Right. Like, you know, he's on the verge of bankruptcy. when, And, and he finally makes uh, SpaceX work. Right. You're going to hear my dog here. And usually she's in the other room, but we have to put up with a life. <laughs> You know, it, it, but that's what it takes to be great. You have it to practice these nine practices because otherwise you're just good. And sometimes good is okay, but there's a lot of good out there. There's a lot of good people. But if you want to get to be excellent or great, you really have to take – you have to be committed. Yeah. You have to You have to know all these things.
1: Right. And you have to have – you have to be willing to – have people around you and accept advice and accept criticism yeah. that that will drive you know you think about your example I mean he, the criticism that he got drove his emotions to learn more so that's the yeah. proficiency and say watch me that's his attitude
0: yeah um yeah.
1: you know and, and it's you know another interesting thing that came up for me as you were talking was this this whole idea of fear. And, you know, I often, well, I don't often, I require all my clients to complete an exercise, which I call, what would you do if you were not afraid? And so that's a really interesting thing to ask yourself that question. What would you do if you were not afraid? So obviously, the first thing that comes to mind is, what on earth am I afraid of?
0: And, and, you know, what's interesting is people have different labels for their fear, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not afraid. I just don't have the time. I'm not afraid no. I just don't have the money. <laughs> just, yep. You know, and it's like, yeah. and you have to, you know, kind of, we all have fears. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't care if you're uh You know, uh, Mickey Mantle or Mickey Mickey Mouse, you know, doesn't matter how successful you are. You're going to have some fear. Something back there is holding you up.
1: Yeah. But isn't that great? Because now at least you know what they are. Yes. Right. And so, you know, you can't do anything about your fears if they lurk back here. Right. But the moment that you realize, okay, I'm, you know, I mean, when I, I do this exercise quite often, but I, I'll tell you a quick little funny story. Um, when I did it back in 2013, you know, one of the things that I wrote down, so I just turned 50 and I wrote down, I don't want to be that wrinkled 75 year old person is feel so entitled driving around that they won't let anybody merge. And, you know, I mean, that was, that was something that came out of this exercise because it's, you know, it's quite in depth how you go about discovering these different layers of fear. Yeah. But, you know, what does that really tell me that, you know, I don't want to be entitled. I don't want to be irrelevant and I want to figure out how I can make a difference in the world. And that, drove part of the reason I wrote this book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. You know,
1: uh mine that I don't want to be wrinkled either, but I will be.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh yeah I guess, you know, if if you weren't uh, if you were disposed to having tons and tons of plastic surgery, I guess, you know, we could always put it off, right? We can Yeah. Always do this. Wow, you know, if I just you know, if I just do a little bit here, look at that! I'm already ten years.
1: Yeah, it <laughs> doesn't bother me. But you know, what you see is what you get with me. People will learn that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, there. Uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of Betty White. Yeah, I think Betty White is glamorous and gorgeous. She's still funny. She's still relevant. Uh, you know, she's consistently working in movies and shows, and she's got this. You know, to me, and I don't know her personally, but she seems to have a great attitude about life. And, you know, she had uh, at least I'll, I'm not aware that she has spent any money or uh, on plastic surgery. She she's to me, she's a great role model of just you keep doing what you love to do until you can't do it anymore.
1: Right. Right. And she you know, when you say that, like she tries different things yes you know she's constantly evolving she's constantly living a transition to get to a new personal next and then she will live another transition we all go through these transitions in fact we go through many of them in our lives some some are more gut-wrenching than others yes but you know we do go through them so when you're in one you know start by recognizing what it is don't don't Call it something that it isn't. It is a transition, and yes, you will get through it.
0: Yeah, and I think you know that that's a what a perfect statement for the transition that we're going through today, right? You know, with with all the stuff with COVID and and coronas and and, uh, and how schools have been affected and business has been affected and all the stuff. It is nothing more than a transition, and you know transition is the constant in the universe right Where is no standing still you're, you're constantly evolving uh maybe you're going backwards but you know i think that if you're if you are back to what you said earlier on the show if you are really involved in your transition then you're kind of deciding which way your transition is going to go as opposed to oh i wasn't expecting that oh i didn't see that coming oh this is a complete surprise. No, you gotta be constantly in your transition.
1: Right, and isn't that a different way to look at it?
0: Yes, yes it It, is.
1: It's not like this, I mean, it's uncomfortable. Yes. And sometimes it can be ugly. You know, if you're going through a divorce, it can be really ugly, that's a transition. And it can be very uncomfortable, but it also can be freeing and exciting. Um, Absolutely. Because you get to reinvent yourself.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, one of the one of the great things about moving from one city to another city that nobody knows you yep. is that you can completely reinvent yourself with new stories and new friends and just be completely free. Uh, it, it's a, it's a great little gift.
1: It is a gift. Um, you know, we have to look at it as a gift. We have to look at every day as a gift. My God, there's, you know, over 80,000 Americans. I can't tell you how many Canadians, you know, well over a hundred thousand North Americans that have died. Yeah. Um, we need to step back and be grateful that we're alive and that we can add value to the world and that we have choice to add value to the world.
0: Yeah. So, so I got this the other day. I forgot who sent it to me. Um, uh, Uh, the uh, the quote was the first thing that we need to be thankful for is that we're awake.
1: (laughs) It's true.
0: It's true. It's true. It really is. Um, Melinda. We're out of time. I want to thank you so much for stopping by Uh, the book again. I love it. Personal next, what we can learn from elite athletes, navigating career transitions. It's a great book. Um, And you can get it at MelindaHarrison.com or at Amazon.com. I'm going to put a link here in the show notes. Um, Melinda, thank you so much. Looking forward to catching up with you again.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure to meet you and uh, stay healthy. And I'll look forward to our next time.
0: Absolutely. Good stuff there. Thank Thank you so much. I learned a lot today from Melinda Harrison. Again, MelindaHarrison.com. I'm going to put up the website here in case I'm not... uh, Being uh, There it is, MelindaHarrison.com. Check her out, executive coach, speaker, uh, author. And, you know, I love this because personal next, great play on words, something that we have to keep in our minds and that we are constantly living a transition. Friends, please, let's share this episode with everyone you know. Let's get everybody thinking about their personal next. The fact that we're constantly in transition and that it's just the normal part of life Check out Melinda's book, Personal Next. I'm going to put the links here in the the notes. And remember, my friends, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.